0: Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio.
1: Today, I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about sunflowers and late season scouting. If you've got any questions for us on that or anything else that's going on on your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Over the weekend, we were certainly hoping to get some rain. Well, we got uh, 1 to 3 tenths. (laughs) So we needed 1 to 3 inches, and that's the way it goes. We're still in the severe drought area in, in our region of the country. We're pretty lucky because we have heavy soil, but, I mean, you can really see it in corn everywhere that's getting big now. I mean, we got a lot of corn that's waist high, and it's just rolling up. So... Anyway hopefully one of these days we're going to get some rain otherwise this year's going to be a pretty tough year for yield. Uh, the The big thing that I always tell people though is don't lose hope. you know number one, we have good commodity prices. number two, we do have crops or at least many people have crops like soybeans that are going to hang on for a long time yet. So it's certainly possible that we could get some rains yet this year and have, Almost full yield for soybeans. Now, our corn yields already hurt. I mean, there's no question about that. Corn yields hurt. But if we get some rain, you know, in the next few weeks, we could still have a halfway decent crop. Uh, one other thing I was going to mention real quick that we have seen quite a bit of, and it was funny, I was just talking to an agronomist about this thing this morning, and then sure enough, I ended up talking to a farmer about the exact same thing not an hour later. Iron deficiency, chlorosis, and soybeans were seeing far more because it's dry. So when you think about soil that's poorly drained, what do we typically have? More salt. And I mentioned this on the show once or twice last week that I'm seeing a lot more salt issues than normal. Well, it's the same thing with iron deficiency chlorosis. That is driven because of soil pH and it's driven because of either lack of iron or most of the time with IDC it is iron's in the wrong form because the soil pH is so high. So your iron's in the ferric form instead of the ferrous form so anyway those problems like many other stresses are accentuated because of this dry weather if you just get some rain on stuff your beans would look better or whatever crop it is that you have iron deficiency chlorosis in right now so hopefully again we'll get some rain and then a lot of these problems that we're seeing in fields will start to go away All right, let's get to the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's now Mailbag time with
2: Brian and Darren.
0: All right, first one comes from Steve. He's got a question about the Ag PhD Young Farmers event coming up uh, in well, Young Farmers Steel
1: Day that's coming up on Saturday. June 26th. So that's this Saturday. Yep. Go ahead. All
0: right. Steve said, I saw on TV, you're giving out scholarships, like $20,000 yep. worth the scholarships. Could you give us details on how many scholarships that would be? And also where do I sign up? Can you give me some
1: more details? Yeah. So as far as scholarships, we started doing this a few years ago, doing a collegiate agronomy workshop. We didn't do that this winter because of COVID. So we decided to do a what we're calling a Young Farmer's Field Day on Saturday. Now, I don't care if you're young or old, a beginning farmer, or a very experienced farmer. I can promise you if you attend this field day we're doing right at our farm, right on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota, that you'll learn something. We're going to be out in the field uh, basically doing hands-on stuff. So, again, I will promise you I don't care how long you farm before, you will get something out of this. So don't think it's just for young farmers. But the, the reason we called, that, called it that is we wanted to have a specific field day separate from our normal Ag PhD field day where we bring in all kinds of people and show all kinds of stuff. Uh, we wanted to have a field day that is targeted to a lot of the questions we get from farmers who are in their teens, 20s, and even 30s. Okay. So a lot of people who are just getting going in their first 5, 10, 20 years, we're going to answer a lot of those questions with not just, oh, we're going to talk about it inside, but literally we're going to show you things in the field. So you will absolutely love it. It's going to be our best uh, event we've ever had for beginning farmers ever. And as far as those scholarships go, we're giving away at least 40 scholarships 500 bucks a piece, and they will be given away that day. And the reason why I say at least 40, I'm not sure what the exact number is going to be, but I know it's going to be at least 40. For more information, just go to agphd.com. And by the way, in order to be eligible for one of the scholarships, they're college scholarships, so you would have to be currently attending or going to attend in the fall. A post secondary school, so that would be a college or Votech or university, something like that, um, and you have to pre register. So, and then you got to be here for the whole day. So, you got to check in right away in the morning, stay all the way till the end uh, in order to be eligible for one of those scholarships we're giving away. We start at 9 30 a.m. and we finish at 3 p.m. And by the way, we're only going to be outside for the first four or five hours. And even when we get done, the temperature is supposed to be 74 degrees. So, it's going to be in the 60s even in the morning. So, it looks like a beautiful day. You're going to have a great time. Go to agphd.com to learn more.
0: All right, I got this from Zach, and he said, you guys talk about spray drift and volatility and how farmers can keep their spray in their field. Are you concerned about leaching at all of any of these pesticides getting into groundwater? Is there a concern about any specific
1: products? The only one is atrazine. In terms of other products getting into groundwater, very seldom does anything else get in there. Atrazine does. Now, the good news is atrazine has the same toxicity as table salt, Uh, to human beings. So if you look at the LD50, it's identical to what table salt is. That does not mean I want you uh, drinking or eating atrazine. We still want you to follow the label with atrazine. But the reason why we encourage people not to use atrazine pre-emerge is because most of the atrazine that's been found in groundwater has been been tracked back to pre-emerge use and higher rates. So if you simply cut the rate, don't use any more than half a pound ever, and you use it post-emerge, then your odds of having it leach into groundwater are slim to none. So that's the way we always want you to use atrazine. And if you're currently on your farm using atrazine pre-emerge, we just really encourage you rethink that, please. Agronomically, no, it's not going to matter. I mean, you can use it pre or post. It's fine. So we're not talking agronomics here. We're talking environmental and regulatory. We don't want more atrazine found in the groundwater because that makes it tougher on all of us as farmers. All right, stay tuned. We're going to talk about sunflowers just a little bit right after this.
2: A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb Brand Corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at indoprimecorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions.
0: If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPHD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an AgPHD PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com.
3: Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Get an
4: extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The Enzone from Farm Shop MFG
2: can increase your stored beans' moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more.
0: back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you have an agronomic question, you can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Get to look at some interesting pictures today of not only weeds, but insects, uh, even some crops struggling a little bit. Uh, we love seeing the pictures. It really helps tell the story. And you can always send us an email and then give us a call as well to follow up. Happy to do that. Let's head up to North Dakota. We're going to talk sunflowers today, some later season scouting, and we've got Ryan Hunt with us right now with FMC. Ryan, we've got some sunflowers at the Ag PhD Field Day site that are pretty small yet. So I wouldn't say we're in the late season scouting, we're probably in the early season scouting. What stage are a lot of the sunflowers that you're seeing out there? You know,
5: I've been out on the road all day today, and I've seen uh, very few really too far along out of the ground. You know, they're all still pretty small where we're, uh, you know, just checking emergence and still making sure we don't have cutworms coming in that we got to take care of. And, you know, also just watching for some of those signs of some early season diseases right now.
0: You know, the cutworms is an interesting discussion because I talk to farmers in corn all the time as well that'll say, well, yeah, there's a few cutworms out there, but they'll go away soon. Uh, I don't really like looking at things that way. Yeah, I'll just let them kill some of my crop out there and I don't think it'll be too bad, especially when it's so inexpensive to treat for them.
5: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, with a lot of these, especially like mustang max you can throw a full rate out there pretty cheap and uh get good residual and really it's just a nice little insurance plan you know most of these sunflowers are getting a pre-herbicide and you can just throw it right in with that burn down and uh really not have to come back and worry and after they even you know come scout for them it should just take care of them until they get to this point where uh where you don't got you bomb anymore.
0: You know, that's a good point. With that burn down herbicide, there are a lot of different things that, that a grower can do. And we're seeing some bugs moving around. Cutworms certainly is one to keep an eye on out there. What are some of the other things that you're seeing? Because I know there's been first cutting of, of alfalfa hay in a lot of the northern areas, and even some of the grass hay has been cut. Seeing a lot of bugs moving in from there up in your territory?
5: Um, a little bit, you know, it's been so hot and dry up here that there hasn't been a lot of bugs, you know, some of the, some of the growers and people I work with further south where it was a little wetter, you know, down towards that Nebraska, South Dakota border, it seemed like, uh, the alfalfa weevils really came in there hard right before this first cutting. Um, but up north so far, you know, the talk has kind of been, we're, uh, We're wondering when the grasshoppers are going to start to explode and that's going to be our next problem probably.
0: Sure, sure. Um, Talk to us about weed control now switching gears here. We look at something like Spartan Charge and there's a lot of different options that guys are using pre. Are you starting to see the pre's break with as dry as you've been or not get enough moisture to get activated? And if so, in sunflowers, what are your other options for late, late season weed control?
5: Yeah, you know, it has been it has been all over the board. There's definitely places where we didn't get a rainfall in time to get activation. And there's some spots where we caught that rain and, uh, you know, a little later than normal and that residual still working. And then we had, you know, areas where they were kind of planning for a disaster and didn't spray at all and then got rain. So it's, it's been all over the board. Um, you know, there's not a lot of post options for sunflowers. We're going to be coming up here um you know obviously you can get the grasses out of there pretty easy with like a clathidim treatment or a sure too um you know the other really the only other post options are if you got like an express or clearfield flower um that express you know is going to do a really good job on like your pigweeds um you know mustards winter annuals and even uh perennials like canada thistle or whatnot if you got them out there but you know, kochia seems to be the number one weed in these sunflowers, and you've really got to have a pre out there for that and a good burn down.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, you mentioned disease earlier. What are you seeing there in sunflowers? And are, are guys making early season applications of fungicide? Do they wait until closer to heading? What are they looking for? You know,
5: it's a little bit of both right now. I think you're just kind of watching out for like your downy mildew, powdery mildew. Um, keeping an eye out if there's any sort of rust or anything coming in um there's a lot of sunflowers that get a get an early application with that post herbicide of like an azoxystrobin to uh help prevent against rust and whatnot and then you know you definitely want to keep an eye out later on for any signs like sclerotinia um any of the stem or head rots as well too
0: Yeah, certainly a lot of things that could impact a sunflower crop, and we're talking with Ryan Hunt here with FMC about some of them. Ryan, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Look forward to talking to you again soon.
3: All right. Have a good day. You too.
0: Let's head down to South Dakota and kind of right in the area Ryan was talking about where they're seeing some insect issues in alfalfa and other crops. We've got Lee Lubbers with us, farms in southern South Dakota, not too far from the Nebraska border. Lee, how's it going? Doing good. You know, we're talking about sunflowers on today's program, and I, I remember a number of years back seeing the sunflowers on your farm and noticing how different they looked from a lot of the <laughs> sunflower fields that I visited. And, and it's not unusual because, uh, let's face it, you grow some pretty good crops on your farm. What What do you think on sunflowers? What are, if you said, I had three things I could share with other sunflower farmers that could really help them out that they may not be thinking about as much as they should, what would they be?
6: Uh, They respond to management as well as any crop that we've ever raised. Uh, We've had really good luck with uh, split-pass fungicides uh, and uh, half-rate with uh, herbicide pass and then another half-rate at bloom. Uh, They're the ultimate foliar feeder. Uh, They respond well to foliar products and to PGRs. I wish soybeans were as easy to uh, figure out as the luck we had with sunflowers, in all honesty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, you're right about that. They are a little tricky, no doubt about it. Okay, one of the things that we get a lot of questions on is uh, how do we protect these stocks? How do we get bigger stocks? How do we keep our stocks healthy? Is that a combination of fertility and fungicides, or, or is fertility carrying most of the load there?
6: A uh, good fertility program uh and then stack on a PGR, uh foliar PGR, uh when you're doing your herbicide pass. Uh we would see a thicker stalk. Uh the xylem would be double size. Uh we got very good response to PGRs and sunflowers. Uh we noticed a definite advantage in standability.
0: Like mega grow or what, what kind of PGRs are are specifically uh, targeted there?
6: That's the one that we had luck with, and it's reasonable to put on, and low rate, and it and it works well in the tank. It has safening capabilities too, so uh, for us, it was just a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's been a, a an effective. PGR choice in a number of different crops. When you think about the weed control, Ryan was just on talking about man, you got to get that pre-emerge pass right because you just don't have many choices post. I know he's not kidding there. I know there aren't many choices there, but you have weed pressure in your area, yet your fields were pretty darn clean. Was there kind of a go-to program you had?
6: Uh, Multi-mode pre-program. FMC has some really good pre's. I really liked working with and uh, multi-mode pre and then just follow with a post-herbicide and we had very good luck.
0: Okay, last question for you then. Insects, I know timing is important here. Was it multiple passes and if so, where were you normally seeing pressure in your area?
5: Uh, The
6: best luck that we had is a split application insecticide. Uh, Actually including it in with a herbicide pass And then uh, when we went with uh, the flower pass, uh, actually making sure we ran an insecticide where we didn't just have contact, but we also had gas so we could get into the head to get the sunflower
2: moths.
0: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of bugs that like sunflowers. I know just a little bit that we raise here for the Ag PhD field day, we always bring a different assortment of bugs, no doubt about it, attacking that particular crop. Talking with Lee Lubers here, farms in South Dakota, one of the best. Lee, thank you so much, really appreciate having you on. No problem. Talking sunflowers on today's program, but also taking your agronomic questions, you can call us at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD, or you can email us as well, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this.
4: Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near-zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Your soil. Your season. Your
1: edge. Make the new Three Point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the
4: Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable
1: engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip-till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com.
4: Do you need to replant soybeans due to cold temperatures, heavy rains, or another weather event? Weeds don't seem to care, and you have limited options for last-minute weed control. This is when you turn to Spitfire Herbicide from New Farm. Unlike other phenoxy herbicides, Spitfire can be applied up to seven days before planting. Fields treated with the dual active power of Spitfire will benefit from weed control that will ease planting and help your beans establish a good stand. Spitfire from New Farm, here to help.
0: Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com.
4: If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high
0: yield toolbox. listening to Ag PhD radio broadcasting from the Morton studio today and we're talking about sunflowers. It's a tough broadleaf crop and I say tough. Uh, How so? How is it tough? Well, it seems like sunflowers get grown in some of the worst growing conditions out there. It's hot, it's dry, we've got uh, difficult soils to, to grow in, and I know we've got Jeff with us right now up in North Dakota. It's not an easy growing season in western North Dakota this year. Jeff, how are you doing today? Not too bad. All right, so talk to me about sunflowers because I know that a lot of growers raising them are really fussy about what kind of crop rotation they're going to use. So they, they put it after certain crops. Do you notice a difference with sunflower performance following one crop versus another?
3: Um, We normally have been doing it either between uh, right after our, some of our small grains like the spring wheat crop or our uh, corn crop. Uh We've been having, uh, we have a lot of wireworm problems, so we've been having a little better luck with uh, following some flowers after corn than we have with wheat lately, but we are trying some of the new seed treatments that are coming out. Um, We tried that Traxa F4 this year. Yes. And that's supposed to kill the wireworms, not, you know, kind of stunt them and, the plants grow through them. It's supposed to kind of get rid of the wireworms. So we did that on some fields we know we're going to put sunflowers to next year. So we're trying that and seeing what we can do. Um, Pretty much we've stuck to either following, like I said, spring wheat or corn.
0: Yeah, a lot of times we'll hear people in the national media talking about Uh, wireworm issues and i'll say well that's the guys that have continuous cereals but i don't think that's the case i'm glad you pointed that out you guys have a multi-crop rotation and it's still a big challenge for you it'll be fun are you doing any root digs to to see what kind of feeding there is or do you have uh traps out there to catch wireworms or anything
3: uh we've actually been involved in some of the studies to when that first when those products came out um we, NDSU was doing a lot of studies on like I think for like four or five years and they were putting uh wireworm traps and they were actually growing those experiment when they were experimentals. So we've kind of seen it. We didn't know which ones were where, but we kind of were able to watch it as it was actually progressing the last couple of years and seeing how it actually some of that stuff has actually worked.
0: That is really cool. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. That's that's great information. How about tillage patterns? And I know with wireworms, it seems like they're even more of a challenge when, when growers are doing less tillage. Uh, do you see a difference with sunflowers where you're in a no-till or reduced-till type situation? Is it better, worse?
3: Uh, we've been mainly uh, no-till on our sunflowers, uh, so that's maybe one of the reasons. But it, we actually, this year, we're getting hit hard on everything up here. Uh, it doesn't matter if you've had insecticide in your small grains or not. Just the way the cooler conditions we had uh, when we first started seeding, uh, just about every crop we have actually had wireworm damage this year. Wow.
2: Wow.
0: How about those early season diseases? I know we were talking with Ryan Hunt with FMC works out of Bismarck and uh, he was talking about powdery mildew that you're always on the watch out for that and downy mildew and some of those early season diseases. Did you have much issue with that this year or was it dry enough to kind of avoid them?
3: It's been dry enough to avoid them but we also when we're picking uh, varieties for sunflowers we're you know it's like every other crop we're trying to pick varieties that have the have some of the characteristics where it won't be as affected from downy mildew and stuff so uh, we've had downy before um, so we've kind of watched the varieties that we pick and choose for our operation
0: absolutely speak about varieties then are you seeing more new varieties coming out or is it pretty slow in sunflowers do you do you switch up uh, continuously year after year or do you find varieties and stick with them for a long time
3: uh, years ago we stuck with a couple of just a couple of varieties, but the last couple of years we 've been changing out new varieties. Uh, we used to grow a lot of express tolerant sunflowers now we went back to the uh, clear field because of the clearfield plus uh, and uh, we were wanting to see if there was a yield drag between um, express tolerance and the clear fields and you know it 's just i guess we 've changing up with the way we 've been doing things again by putting more of the clearfield variety back in
0: okay yeah interesting all right one last thing then Jeff what do the crops look like up there are there any crops that you'd say man it's a good year for soybeans or a good year for anything or or is everything just kind of waiting on some rain
3: uh kind of waiting on rain um I was in some wheat fields yesterday that uh some guys I know seeded some wheat early and it's not even knee high and it's headed out um we're going to probably be in that knee-high range. Uh, we got two inches of rain two weeks ago, and before that, we would only maybe had a total of a half inch. So, our, our moisture profiles, it's somewhat recharged, but with 20- and 30-mile-an-hour winds we've had, it's kind of pulling the moisture down again pretty quick.
0: Yep, yep, it sure is. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for telling us a little about the taraxa the trials and different things that you're doing. Good luck to you the rest of the year. Hopefully, the rain keeps coming.
3: Okay, thanks.
0: You bet. Got our friend Trevor Israel on right now with Valent. Trevor, how you doing?
7: I'm doing well. How are you, Darren?
0: Pretty good, pretty good. I was just thinking about sunflowers, and I know when, when we were going to talk about sunflowers on today's program, like, man, I wish there were more weed control options because when we get later on in the season, there isn't a whole lot that a guy can do to to kill broadleaf weeds anyway, but there, there are just so many things going on in sunflower crops. What are some of the things that you're looking at in sunflowers and visiting with growers about?
7: Um, well, when it comes to sunflowers uh, at Valen, we've got a, a couple of products that are uh, key to uh, a lot of um, sunflower growers or on their mind as far as the insect control uh with uh, Asana uh, being a pyrethroid a uh, synthetic pyrethroids uh, uh, targets a lot of uh, potential insect pests and sunflowers um, uh, from uh, some of the earlier foliage feeders to the head and seed feeders like the um, uh, lycus bugs or uh, sunflower moths as well as um uh, 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 uh sunflower beetles as well so uh pyrethroid like that then as well as uh, uh fungicide uh, quash which is uh, metconazole. It's a uh group three fungicide so uh uh going after uh early season somewhat uh, uh white mold the sclerotinia uh, and also uh excellent on rust as well in sunflowers so uh, thinking about late season scouting when it comes to, to uh insects uh you know, that's kind of in the, the head stage or, uh, or, uh, before flowering, uh, also with, uh, with the rust, you know, uh, prior to head stage, that's kind of the scouting threshold looking at those top four leaves. So, um, those are time periods for, uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of the issues that have come up in the past. So, uh, you know, with this season, uh, probably looking at uh, less moisture in the growing season. So, uh, diseases may be less prevalent, but you never know how the weather patterns may, may shift.
0: Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You're right. The weather can change in a hurry and it seems like almost every farmer we talk to is kind of questioning, okay, it looks dry now, but I know I need to get stuff out there before I have a disease problem. You mentioned rust there, white molds, another one we've been hearing a lot about. If, if we get up and we, we have a nice canopy, but we get rain at the wrong time and it could sure be a
7: problem. Um, yeah that's absolutely right and uh um always want to uh, be out there scouting um especially uh you know after a, a, a rain or uh, you know if the uh, uh temperatures are uh you know or uh, in the humidity keeping it uh, more humid perhaps in the in the uh, sunflower canopy just uh, always want to be diligent with uh, with scouting Uh, later in season
0: yeah no doubt about that okay talk to us just a little bit more on these insecticides we were talking with the grower earlier on the show who said he's putting some on both at the early herbicide timing but but also at flowering and he said it just is such a trick to get that just at the right timing at flowering what kind of residual do you look for or what what are some of the keys you'd see there
7: um. So uh, residual. Uh, that uh, that's tough with the pyrethroid, Even synthetic pyrethroid and insecticides. They're they're broken down in the sunlight. So um, um, the formulation really comes into play with Asana XL. There's a, a cottonseed oil based formulation, a little bit slower degradation in, in the sunlight. So uh, able to to stay uh, on the leaf and where the insects will uh, will feed on it um, and uh, and uh, come in contact with the the insecticide. So. A residual, and on the head feeders, um, we recommend, uh, uh, especially on confection sunflowers, that there's uh, a need for an early, um,
0: Early, just early treatment. Yeah, and and getting great coverage as well. Hey, Trevor, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPHD PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com.
4: When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva Agriscience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer.
0: Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about sunflowers and some of the things to scout for. Now, here's what I would say. We we talked to uh, Jeff, who farms up in North Dakota, Lee, who farms in South Dakota. Uh, Trevor and Ryan cover around fields around the region with the companies they work for. The big things are keep an eye out for, for weed control and look a year ahead. Make some plans to, to get those fields clean and then do the best job you can with your pre. So if you've got a spray for weeds post, there are really limited options for broadleaves. With grass, of course, you don't have to accept any oh, grass oh, oh. escapes yeah. at all.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you talk about really limited options, your option is nothing. Express unless you or have,
0: Clearfield with the right trait,
1: yes. right? If you have regular sunflowers, not traded, and even the traded stuff, I would look at that as you don't have any good options there either, because beyond and Express are both ALS herbicides. You're not going to kill any kochia or water hemp or Palmer pigweed or mare's tail or Right, common ragweed, or I mean, there are a whole bunch of weeds you're not going to kill. So, I mean, you, you, you have nothing good. That's why we always talk about starting strong. You've got to have a great pre-program in sunflowers. It's pretty simple. Use one of the yellows, either trifluralin or uh, preferably Sonalan or Prowl. And then uh, Prowl, we usually talk no-till. Sonalan, we talk conventional till. And the reason why we like Sonalan better than trifluralin is it's really twofold. Number one, Sonalan's better than trifluralin. If you have them rate for rate, next to each other, Sonalan wins every single time, plus it kills more weeds. And then on top of that, Sonalan has less issue with carryover. And let's face it, where sunflowers are grown, it's dry. When it's dry, you don't want products that are going to carry over and last into the next year and hurt your crop. So our advice is use Sonalan or Prowl. You don't have the carryover issue. Again, Prowl is a no-till product. Sunland is a conventional till product. Plus, use Spartan. Use the full rate of Spartan, plus one of those yellows, and you're going to have amazing control. Now, I realize there are a few other pre-emerge products you could use. Now, if you want to use something else, I'd use it in addition to the Spartan and the yellow, not uh, subtracting out the spartan or the Yellow. you've got to got to got to have both of those active ingredients in there all the time otherwise I would advise you don't even plant sunflowers and I'm dead serious so I, I say this to sunflower growers all the time it's so hard to kill weeds later on and weeds absolutely kill you when you're dry well again when you're where you're raising sunflowers it's dry and so for people who aren't used to experiencing drought like this year we see it a little bit in Illinois but a lot in Iowa and Minnesota and Nebraska and some of these areas where we don't have super dry conditions real often you can see any tiny little mistake that got made on the farm or any little bit of weeds insects diseases it just destroys your yield it's terrible and the same thing happens in sunflowers but it happens more often because you're in dry conditions more often. So all we're saying is please just do a great job pre-emerge and then post-emerge the weeds aren't going to kill you. And yes, you've got a grass killer. You can go clethodim or something post-emerge, but you, know, you just don't have great crop canopy. Um, you don't have any options post-emerge that are good for broadleaf weeds. So it's tough. You know, the other things, we talk about diseases and insects. Well, this year, we're not going to have a lot of disease problems when it's hot and dry. Most of the places where sunflower is grown, but you got to keep an eye out anyway. And you do want to spray fungicide in advance of when a disease shows up also. Don't forget, too, when you're using a strobe, like Headline, for example, you're going to get some plant health benefits. The crop will be a little bit cooler. You'll see higher levels of antioxidants in that crop. And, you know, when you start looking at ethylene production as well, that's also reduced. So the point is you got a little bit healthier crop. And I'm not saying it's this enormously huge yield gain, but it's going to be something. It's, it's big, in addition I to think, disease Brian, control. because here no, it isn't. Here's we, what... We've proven that out. We just don't gain much in yield. We, we have never yet I... seen an, a, a massive yield gain.
0: I disagree with you 100%. Where have you seen it? In sunflowers, I I agree with what Lee had said earlier in the show. They are one of the most responsive crops that we've seen to management with fertility, with PGRs, fungicides, everything. I agree with all that. Because there just aren't like millions of varieties out there like we've got seemingly with corn and
1: soybeans. Yeah, but here's my point, Darren. It's not the plant health benefits that are gaining you. 10% 10% to 20% No, it's also disease control. Right, it's also that's my whole control. point. So if there's zero disease that ever shows up, don't think that, oh, I should automatically it's, still spray a fungicide and expect to gain 10 to 20% It's pretty unusual
0: for zero disease in sunflowers because not only uh, have you got yes. seed and seedling insects feeding, you've got insects throughout the season that are just relentless in and, sunflowers.
1: And a lot of the sunflower varieties are just not super tolerant on diseases we, we they, when it comes to plant breeding with sunflowers you don't see the hundreds of billions of dollars poured into it like you do with corn and soybeans nope. i mean it's just it's whole different it's, it, it's just at a whole other level with corn and soybean breeding compared to a lot of these other crops like wheat and sunflowers but
0: here's the cool thing you don't have to spend a ton of money like jeff was talking about uh You know, they aren't putting a ton of money here. They're trying a few different things. They're trying improved seed treatments. Uh, Lee had mentioned he's just putting a half rate of fungicide on and a fairly low rate of insecticide on a couple different times throughout the season. He plans on it, he does it every time. He's putting a PGR on that costs him four bucks, probably. So he's not spending much money and. Uh, I know Ryan had made a comment earlier. A lot of guys are using generic azoxystrobin. They're only spending a few bucks an acre on that, and insecticides are dirt cheap. So, I mean, what are you going to spend? Ten dollars? On, on some of these added things to double the size of your stalks or or to completely keep bugs and disease out of your field it's it's not much money to do a lot better job in sunflowers the challenge is a lot of guys just don't want to do anything they just say well they're a tough crop they'll fend for themselves but man if you're if you're one of those guys that thinks that way just try even part of a field to split a split a field and do some extra treatments out there I think you'll find it well worth the investment
1: I agree with that and I want talk about fertility just a little bit too so yes we want you to scout all the way through for weeds insects diseases that that that's great on the fertility piece though if you're out there and you're identifying either through your tissue analysis or visually you see hey we've got issues here with nutrients in the future i'll just give you this piece of advice when you're in dry country put your fertility out early put your pnk out in the fall Put your nitrogen out in the spring. And the earlier you go, the better chance you have to get rain on it, to get it broken down, activated, and into the plant. So, yeah, I'm not saying this if you have sand and you're getting 100 inches of rainfall. That's a whole different deal. A lot of where sunflowers are grown, the ground's heavy, there's no irrigation, and and we're counting on natural rainfall, and we don't have lots of it. So if that is you... Then I would just say, get all your fertilizer on early. Don't read. I, and it's hard. When you read in almost all the farm magazines, they're talking about stuff in Iowa and Illinois. And they're, they're talking about split applying nitrogen and, you know, oh, if you can throw some potassium on in season and, you know, foliar feed the micros and do all this stuff. And it's fine where you have rain. But when you don't have rain, you have to think about it just a little bit differently. So I would just tell you and encourage you, put it on early. And here's the other good thing. When you have heavy ground and not a lot of rainfall, what you put out for fertility, if it doesn't get used for some reason, it's going to be there the next year. It's fine. So anyway. Uh, oh, there, there is one other thing. I was talking to an agronomist this morning. And this is slightly off topic for the sunflowers. But he was just asking about nitrogen and what I thought about side dressing or giving up on the crop already and i said well look in your area you've had no rain things are looking tough all the corn is rolled up you've already lost a lot of yield potential and so to think that you're going to put the same amount of nitrogen out at side dress time like you were planning on a month or two ago not going to happen i mean it shouldn't happen you got to be careful with nitrogen because it's so leachable even in heavier soils it's fairly leachable so be careful with some nutrients like that but p and k that's no problem i'm not worried about p and k that's going to stay there till the next year in almost every single soil there is Coming back to that nitrogen deal, I'd also said, you know, when we ran our pre-side dress nitrate tests, we found 50 to 150 more pounds of nitrogen in all our soils than we were expecting. I said, here's my theory. I said, because we had such a long, hot fall, maybe more organic matter mineralized and, and gave us more nutrients. I don't know. All I know is we're sitting with more nutrients than I thought and a little lower yield goals. So we're not applying side dress n on our farm. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucinto Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucinto.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use.
0: If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at AgPHD PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers and tons of entertainment, food and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD radio, right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, taking your calls and agronomic questions. The rest of the show, 844-44-AG-PHD. Got an email here. This is from Doug in Illinois. And Doug's been doing some work, Brian, on his soils. He said, guys, I attached my soil test levels, and I've got poor micronutrient and sulfur levels across the entire field. I took tissue tests at V4. This is ground that I own, going to beans, and I've already addressed pH issues on this farm. I am building my P and K now, and at this point, I want to start addressing the micros and sulfur. So my plan was to put on 50 pounds of manganese sulfate, 50 pounds of zinc sulfate, 30 pounds of granular boron, and he said, I did a trial with this amount last year and uh, did a follow-up with soil tests that showed I was in good shape with that. Wait, I also, how was the
1: yield, though? Uh,
0: I didn't mention the yeah. yield. Okay. He said 70 pounds of ammonium sulfate and 5 pounds of copper sulfate. Would you be comfortable putting those levels of nutrients on in one shot on ground that I own?
1: <laughs> okay, well, first of all, it's a lot. Uh, and I, I would here's say the, here's the list. Yeah, if you okay, want to okay. See that. But in, anyway, my my question is really all right. You tried some of this last year. How did it affect yield? Because I'll, I'll be honest, I don't give a rip about tissue tests, soil tests how the plant looks. I don't care about it. No, I do not. I care about, no, I care about how does it yield? yield. How does it yield and does it pay? That's the number one question. So yes, as I say that, well, obviously we found certain things that lead to yield, but that's what I'm getting at is do we know that that's leading to yield? That's the first question. But but anyway, when you when you ask about, our, okay, can I put all this stuff out on there in one shot? I'll just tell you, we do much, much, much more than that in certain cases, especially when we're picking up new ground. A couple of the key things we're usually looking at. Number one is the ground heavy. Well, you've got a couple spots here of 9 CEC. That's light ground. So I'm not going to push it nearly as much on light ground as I am on heavy ground, especially with something like boron, for example. With high rates of boron, number one, it could be leachable. Number two, you've got more risk for crop injury. The other thing we look at in terms of plant safety is how high are your calcium levels? 65 should be at a bare minimum, and really 70 or 75% would be better for overall crop safety. Well, you're actually above 75% for everything. So the odds are you're probably going to be okay, except maybe in those couple of light spots on the boron side, That would be my concern. The other thing is with your zinc sulfate, just talking about that real quick. Zinc sulfate's roughly one-third actual zinc. So for easy math, let's just figure that. So if I've got one-third of 50 pounds, I have roughly 17 pounds of actual zinc. So that means if you divide that by two, we could raise the, the level in our soil by potentially Seven, eight, nine parts per million somewhere in there. I mean, it probably won't be quite that much, but it's going to be relatively close. So you're already at two parts per million on zinc, two to three. If I raise it eight, two plus eight is ten. That means I got to have a hundred pound, or sorry, hundred parts per million of phosphorus to be in relation to that. I got to be roughly ten to one phosphorus to zinc, and that's what we found where yield is is maximum. And I'm not saying it has to be exactly that. It could be twelve to one, eight to one, whatever. It just can't be. The, what, what you have right now where you're you're clear down to 17 parts per million on phosphorus in some spots. And I realize you say you've addressed your P and K, but I don't know how much you've addressed your P and K because right now both P and K, as I see it, are critically low on your farm, critically low. So they're both affecting yield right now. So I'd make sure that I'm getting my phosphorus built way up, my potassium built way, way up. And then I don't have a real big issue doing some of these other things. It's fine. So ammonium sulfate's fine. The zinc sulfate's fine as long as you get some more phosphorus out there. The manganese sulfate isn't going to hurt anything. A little copper sulfate's going to be fine. Um, so I, I'm okay with that. Oh, he had a question too on the copper sulfate. Could I wide y-drop that? Look, here's why I wouldn't do that. Because copper is similar to zinc and phosphorus. It basically doesn't move in soil. So I would like to put my copper down into the ground or... If you want to lay it on the soil surface, you got to make sure you're working it in. So if you want a Y-drop, it's fine. You're just not going to get much uptake or intake this year. So I I probably would not advise you to do that. Generally, when we talk Y-drop, side dress, any of that kind of stuff, it's the stuff that moves in soil. So that's nitrogen, sulfur, boron. So I have no issue with nitrogen, sulfur, boron. Uh, being put on in in that type of fashion but the immobile soil nutrients are the ones that are barely mobile like potassium no way i i would like those all done in the fall if i can or at least early in the spring and get them down in the ground a little bit so you have a better chance that your roots could get them
0: all right good questions there really appreciate that doug and uh Good job on pulling some tissue samples oh. and soil samples out there. I would keep going on that and just see, like Brandon mentioned, I think to start off where he was talking that at V4, that's one thing to see good nutrient levels. Let's well, see when we get into the reproductive
1: stages, what happens. Exactly. I just remember something, a phrase, uh, an old time phrase that our dad used to use all the time. Well, we'll uh, separate the men from the boys. Uh, and that's kind of how I feel about plant nutrient levels when you get Later in the season at V4, everything's going to look pretty good most of the time because your crop's only taking a tiny little bit of uh, just a small amount of nutrients out of that ground at that point. So when it needs massive amount of nutrients later on in the season, well, even now, I mean, you're going to start seeing some big differences. Like on our farm right now, our corn is waist high. It's going to be shoulder high in a week and it's going to be tasseling a week or two after that. I mean, it's this phase right now, these two or three weeks that are critical. And that's why it hurts us so much that we're not getting any rain. The only way you can kind of overcome that is by having really high levels of nutrients in your soil early in the year. So your crop barely uses any water. The more nutrients you have and better balance you have in the soil, the less water the plant needs to bring in to try to get the food it needs, the nutrients it needs. So anyway. Uh, Yeah, I'm glad you're pulling tissue tests. Just keep the tissue testing up and you'll really see which nutrients are high and low here soon.
0: All right. So I got a couple of corn questions here. First one from Tom and oh, actually, you know what? Uh, We had an email that just had come in, and I wanted to hit that, so I better hit that first. We're running out of time faster. This one comes from Rob up in Manitoba. He said, is there a chemical that will kill ragweed in non-GMO soybean? That sounds like a frustrated farmer, Brian. Ragweed can be tough, especially if it gets Uh, big. I think the key is to get it when it's small. Then then we have better activity out of something like a first rate. We
1: use Flexstar in that. And um, Cobra. Yeah, First rate, Flexstar, Cobra, and Cadet's not horrible. And,
0: and I would do a combination, first rate with a Flexstar or first rate with yeah, a Cobra. Yeah, that be even better. That's, that's been where I've seen the best results.
1: Yes. Now, the only thing is there is some common ragweed out there that's resistant to ALS herbicides. If you have that, then first rate isn't going to help you. And then you're just left with the PPOs. Flexstar is the best, but Cobra is really close. And then Cadet's behind that a little bit.
0: Okay, now jumping to a corn question. This one's from Tom. He said, how similar or dissimilar is the production of blue and or white corn compared to regular yellow corn? Would we use the same management practices? Just wondering, do those corns have the same traits as yellow corn and how good the market is in the U.S. for those other corns. Well, that last one, how good is the market for blue and white corn? I guess that depends on if you're a blue and white corn grower, you would probably like the market to be bigger so your price could be better. Uh, But it's going to be one of those things that's dictated by economics. So if if the price gets high enough, you can can raise those even if you're going to get a little bit less yield. You don't have the same traits, you don't have as many options for which hybrids you're going to plant as yellow corn but i would say this in a lot of aspects corn is corn so you're going to have a plant that that can still react to the same types of management so you need good fertility levels early and then you need to keep good fertility levels late in the season too if you want to fill those ears out and have good quality grain and all those types of things so yes you can utilize a lot of the same things that we're talking about for yellow corn to help you manage blue and white corn too. Thanks for the question Tom we appreciate that. I got one here from from O F. H, who said, you guys were talking about distillers grain the other day. There's some areas that just can't get distillers grain and man, it's, it's disappointing because if you mix that with, with some silage, it is money in the bank. So don't forget about the other guys who don't have access to distillers grains out there. Hey, you're absolutely right, OFH. Uh, Not everybody's got access or not everybody's really close to one of these ethanol plants, but honestly, they are shipping a lot of these distiller's grains all over. They're getting loaded on trains as well, uh, coming out of plants that are drying the distiller's grains ahead of time. Thanks for that feedback. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.